Sorry. We're doing so well. I know. I love this. You know, speaking of great starts, mm-hmm. I was going to ask you a question. Okay. So a few, a few weeks ago, we came out with our first episode. There were admittedly some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some issues with the second episode that hopefully the audience never finds out about. Great. Hopefully they are <laughs> unaware this is our secret. That anything happened. <laughs> uh, and we fixed it for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it got me thinking about like sometimes how creative people can struggle to get started with something mm-hmm. because they want it to be perfect right away. Oh, yeah. Is I'm, that a, an issue for you like it is for me? Big time. Yeah, I have a really hard, really hard time with that, especially with first drafts. Like they're notoriously supposed to be terrible. And I tell that to all of my author friends when they're struggling. I'm like, oh, it's supposed to be shit. You're allowed to make it shit. But that does not apply to me. Mine is supposed to be perfect always. Right. So when I'm like writing, I'm trying to like edit as I write or redo a sentence. When I know I'm not supposed to, I'm like, no, let it be crap. You can come back and fix this. But I'm like, no, it should be brilliant. The first go. So yeah, no, super guilty of that. Yeah. So I mean, that I think was one of the things that like, kept us from starting this months ago because mm-hmm. like we've been talking about it for so long yeah but it was like we had to get past that point of like everything's gonna be perfect and i'll be honest even when we did start i was like we finally got it figured out everything's gonna be great yeah and the fact that it wasn't is gonna drive me crazy for probably two years <laughs> i'm gonna I have to it. talk to a therapist about it <laughs> at some point but the but it happened it's out yeah. there now and like we're doing it it was our first draft. Yeah. And we achieved shitty. Yeah. I, think yeah, we achi- we I hope shitty. we achieved better than shitty. <laughs> and now we'll just keep revising yeah. as time goes on. For sure. So, yeah, I was just curious of like, if that was a thing for other people than me, because I know it affects me in my day to day work, too. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes it can feel like, like starting is the hardest part mm-hmm. because it doesn't you're like not totally in the zone and you're not sure that what you're doing, even in that day, like even if you're on like day three or four of recording, it's like, yeah. Oh, but I'm not like, I'm not really hitting it and I'm not firing on all cylinders or whatever other metaphors. Right. That, that we can sprinkle. Yeah. In. That, that, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That we can apply to the situation. And like that, this, this is like, it's good. I think it's going to be therapeutic to mm-hmm. like be doing this and know that it can't be perfect. That like shit is going to happen. Yeah. And hopefully the audience comes along for the ride with us. Well, and I'm hoping too it 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 makes us feel more relatable and more human and things like that because because we are creative people and people read our work or listen to your audiobooks, I feel like that that makes it harder for people to not so much relate to us but harder to connect because that we we're placed on a different kind of platform mm-hmm. whereas like yeah, no, we're just people. We're just winging this. We're trying to do our best. And there's a lot of, you know, duct tape and bruises and bumps along the road when we when you create anything. And that's just a universal human thing. Right. So. Yeah. It's interesting to see if people do get to know us a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, or the process a little bit more. I do find that like there is, I think, a mystique to what both of us do as yeah. an author and as a narrator. Um, and yeah, behind the curtain, it is just chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Or to to use another metaphor, like it's the duck going Mm -hmm. across the water that looks like it's just swimming away and looks beautiful and graceful and like underneath it's paddling. Yeah, the feet. Yeah. "Ah," Yeah. You know? 100%. We're that. Yeah, yeah, we're the the feet. (laughs) We're doing that all the time. Um, But like nobody gets to see that because that's not Mm -hmm. the version we put on 
TikTok for people to see. And like, right. I, I see so many narrators putting stuff on TikTok about their jobs. And even I look at it and look at it and go, wow, that's so lovely. Yeah. Their booth is so pleasant and like their hair and makeup is done and they look great mm -hmm. and they just seem to be having the best time. Yeah. They're so put together. Forgetting that like, of course, all of that is manufactured. Right. Yeah. There are some TikTok, or, yeah, I guess TikTokers you call them, narrators on TikTok mm -hmm. who like record live, which I think is a closer representation of what life can be. But even that, like, I have such a hard time relating to because I'm like, how can you have people watching you that would drive and crazy. stay in the moment? Yeah, that would be terrifying. Like, to there's me. just always going to be that part of my brain that's thinking, like, somebody's watching. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, it's like that thing. Have you ever, like, you have no problems typing, but as soon as somebody's watching you type, you can't spell to save your life or, like, you forgot where all the keys are? Yes. Like, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine that, like, trying to perform and like a like it's different i think if it's like a play or something you're you're reading lines well, and things like that you rehearse for that right. to happen yeah. yeah you do it again and again until you're comfortable enough to be in front of an audience yeah. that is not what narrating is yeah no you know, you're, <laughs> it's totally different you're performing it mostly for the first time cuz yeah. you need to get it done yeah so yeah and i'm i'm sure like you wouldn't want somebody like watching your google doc no. as you're typing out a story and like i so like for commenting in live about like Oh, I don't know about that line of dialogue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who needs yeah. that? I don't know. That because even if even if the person process. watching wasn't giving that mm -hmm. critique, in my head, I'd be anticipating mm -hmm. their critique. Yeah. So all of that to say that like nothing we see online about what we do is probably the full unvarnished truth. Right. Um, but dear readers, <laughs> we're not we're not varnishing no. <laughs> here. <laughs> No. We're just going to talk about our lives. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, I finished a book today. Mm -hmm. And I do not mean to denigrate authors, but there is a thing that I would like to talk about. I'm, I'm here for you. Everyone's here for you. We've talked about it before. Oh, I know I, what's coming. I bring it up <laughs> all the time. Two words. Mm -hmm. Fucking epilogues. The amount, I'm going to start keeping tally of how many times you stomp out of your booth, go through the office and go stomp. You were always like fucking epilogues every time. Like you were so done and it's so funny. So yeah, I'm just going to start being like fucking stomp. You just, <laughs> just seems so annoyed. Like you just go through. like a toddler. <laughs> oh, not like a toddler. <laughs> fucking epilogues. No, it's not toddler level. It's very graceful. Yeah, I'm sorry. You float. Thank you. Float you. I float on by. Yeah. While cursing. Yes. Eloquently. Yeah. Let's, it's the duck. Let's preserve this for the record. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, and again, like not to denigrate the authors, not mm -hmm. to denigrate the the readers who love that part of the story. Of course. But if you are in my position, mm -hmm. and, and this is your job, yeah, and you've gotten all the way to the end of a thing you're supposed to do, mm -hmm. and then your boss was like, actually, I'm going to tack on this one little thing, yeah. and then you also have to do that, so you're not done yet. Yeah. Oh, like, were you on your way out? Are yeah. you done for the day? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, 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 yeah. you're not. And like that's what it feels like, because mm -hmm. you've, you've worked the story arc, and the arc is finished, yeah. and you're like, ah, yeah. I'm done. Except I'm not. Yeah. And that's when I get out of my booth because I always have to get out of my booth. Yeah. And I have to walk <laughs> through the office and just be like, fucking epilogues. <sighs> yeah. So that's my rant about epilogues. I know I'm not convincing anyone to stop writing them. 
I, I write them in my books and I'm always like, sorry. I always would have put like a secret note somewhere in there being like, <laughs> sorry, Kurt, because you're eventually going to read this. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. They're like a part of, uh, they're a part of the universe. Yeah. They are a part of romance. Mm-hmm. It's the happily ever after, but then we want to know what ha- happened. Yeah. It's, it's a nice little like, not bow on top, but like, I don't know, extra little treat mm-hmm. at the very end. It, it's icing on the cake. There you go. You yeah. Know, like it, it confirms for the people who might be nervous about it that like, no, no, no. Everyone's this, this, happy. Yes, like that. It really did work out. It mm-hmm. wasn't just like a a blissful two months, and then they fought about what kind of dish soap to use, and that was it. Yeah, although that would be kind of funny, like to go into like an epilogue where it's been like three or three or five years into mm-hmm. the relationship, and they're having like one of those established couples argument oh about God, something. Yes ridiculous Mm -hmm. like uh yeah i might have to do that you know what that would actually (laughs) that might be an epilogue that i'd be happy to read okay but for the most part i'm just admitting it yeah i get to that point in almost every book and i'm just like yeah all right here we go (laughs) also sometimes it is years later and sometimes often i would say like if if the characters are young adults in the main book Mm -hmm. and they've aged five years like there's this part of me that's like, do I need to age up their voices? Oh. And I I will admit that's one of the things that over the years I have let go of mm-hmm. trying to be that. Like, okay, they'd be this much more gravelly five years later. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Stop that. Yeah. Stop that. <laughs> I appreciate that like thought though. Like that's a good point, but yeah, I think probably yeah, not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> you just you just gotta mm-hmm. let people's voices be what they are. Yeah. As long as they're in their early 20s, by the time the first part of the book ends, the epilogue is a few years later, it's fine. Yeah. They were already adults. Right. So. Right. That tracks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of that is like the very first book I ever did was mm-hmm. was Wolfsong, where one of the main characters starts at 10 years old. Yeah. And eventually at the end of the series is in his 20s. Mm-hmm. And so like there, there did have to be growth and change. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've over the years, I've told myself I was being ridiculous and i just needed to record the damn epilogue yeah and give these give these characters their their happily ever after later yeah you know they're later ever after they're later ever after sure so yeah so what are you working on so i am still working on dallas's book that's going to be like my default answer for a hot minute Mm -hmm. but i actually got a good idea for like some relic shorts so when i'm not in the mood to do chaotic necromancers with vampires and stuff Mm -hmm. i'm doing little relic side stories so amazing yeah so like just like flash fiction fun stuff because at this point the core series is like wrapped up like i've got some other ideas for later things but this is going to be just like slice of life fun stuff Mm. so i was like i'm just gonna write this like like fighting over the dishes yeah exactly yeah yeah (laughs) fun little arguments about them things so what would happen if people who could turn into dinosaurs got really upset about the dishes I think they would just eat the dishes. <laughs> They're like, I'll solve this. Just, yeah. yeah. Go buy some new dishes. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. 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 Well, that's fun. Yeah. It's kind That'll of cathartic. Great. Yeah. It's, it's been fun. I, I like set Dallas aside last night and just wrote for like an hour of just nonsense. And mm-hmm. it was just good. It's fun. It's like, I'll probably not use what I wrote so far because it's just goofy, but it right. was just fun to be in that like creative space within that universe because it's so easy to slip into. Yeah. So. Is it good to take a creative detour like that sometimes? It is for me. I really like, yeah. like if, especially if I'm writing something dense, like a very world building heavy series, like the wild contracts, being able to step aside and just do something 
either just for me or in a totally different universe with a different voice, kind of like a palate cleanser kind Mm -hmm. of thing. So I can go back into it with a fresh perspective or I I don't burn myself out. So, yeah, I wish I could do that, but no. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. I think (laughs) I'm not going to be like, I'll I'll go record part of this other book and then come back. No, that's not how it would work. Yeah. It would probably throw so many things off. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I look forward to hearing more about those. Where might people have access to these special relic shorts? Hmm. I don't know yet. Um, Mm. I mean, we've got some avenues of places I can sprinkle them in coming up soon-ish. Hmm. I wonder. Mm. Uh, all right. Well, so as as we continue on our rolling out the Patreon tour mm-hmm. <laughs> in every podcast, <laughs> we're sprinkling some more information. We're about to sprinkle some more. Yes. Um, including we have a launch date Yay! picked out. Look um, at us. Much in in the the theme of like just starting, even if it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. That's what we've decided we need to do. Yep. Otherwise, we'll procrastinate until it never happens. Yes. Yes. So. We will. <laughs> So we have decided we are going to launch the Patreon next Friday. Yes. That is September 15th. Mm-hmm. You will be able to subscribe officially. And there are going to be two tiers. Would you like to talk about the tiers? Yes. So we've got a base tier that's going to be $5. So that's jumping on to support the podcast. Um, you get access to our bonus episodes that are, we're going to be doing, as well as, of course, helping us make the podcast better. Um, But then we also have a $10 tier, which makes it to where you can access um, future awesome audiobooks that will be coming out that Kurt will be recording. Yeah, at least for now. Yeah. It'd be cool if maybe someday we could like hire other narrators to to narrate for us Mm -hmm. or like co-narrate with them too. But yes, for now, uh, it is going to be Kurt Graves (laughs) Productions. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. uh, uh, For these for these audiobooks. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first of those is going to be and we talked about this already. We have the first one is going to be Gardens Gardens and Ghosts. Ghosts, The final book in the Relic series. Mm -hmm. It will be the only place you can get this audiobook. Yes. Uh, Will be through our Patreon or our online store. Yes. So how is that going to work? So with the online store, you don't have to be a Patreon or patron, I guess, to access the store. So if for whatever reason you can't support the podcast through Patreon, which is fine, you can jump onto our online store and snag audiobooks. I'm sure we'll have merch at some point, like cool mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you can jump on and snag things right. and support us that way. Yeah. Essentially, anything we ever offer will be available to the public, but mm-hmm. it will be at like full price. Right. And then the people who are doing the audiobook tier mm-hmm. in our Patreon, they will get every audiobook that we produce. They will automatically have that mm-hmm. for them. Because they are in that tier. Right. And they own that forever and ever. Amen. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they stay a Patreon patron or not. Right. And then for the people who are patrons at the $5 level, but maybe don't want to commit to having like every single audiobook delivered to them every month. Right. um, Again, they'll be able to access the store and they'll have a little discount. Yeah. Just as a treat. You know, as an extra little like, like, okay, you are a Patreon member. mm -hmm. You're going to get, you're you're not going to have to pay full price for the store, Uh, but they are going to have to buy that content separately. Or bite the bullet and become uh, a, a dear listener level Patreon supporter right. for the extra few bucks a month. So, yeah. so that is that is what we're doing, and we talked about keeping it affordable. I hope that is what we have done. Yeah, that's our goal because we we don't want it to make it to where it's so expensive or unobtainable for people that it makes it you know hard for people to enjoy everything that we're coming out with. Right. So 
we're trying to keep it low. It's more of a like the more the merrier kind of situation. Exactly. Like, invite your friends to like us, you know, we so we don't have like these like thirty, forty dollar tiers with like all this crazy stuff. Right. Which would also be like sort of just like crazy extra work yeah. for us, which like, hey, get us enough subscribers and make this our full time job and we will come up with some crazy extra tiers. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but for now, we would mostly just like more people mm-hmm. to enjoy what we're creating. Right. Uh, so to that end, next week, we're going to be talking about what the different things are that we plan to start creating mm-hmm. when we hit certain numbers of subscribers. Right. So a little preview for what we'll be, what we'll be talking about next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they subscribe on the 15th, mm-hmm. they will immediately have access to... Our fun, awesome little bonus episode. Um, we talked about it last week, so we are reading through all of the Animorphs books. So we're going to be doing the book one uh, for the launch. So when you subscribe on the 15th, if you're at the $5, $5 level, you get the- Or above. Or above. <laughs> <laughs> you get our normal weekly episode as well as our Animorphs episode um, as the bonus for subscribing. Yes. So. And if you've never done that, FYI, you will receive through Patreon a personalized- podcast feed mm-hmm. link that you can put into any of your podcast players and then you will have access to the patreon content right in that feed will also be our regular episodes so you only have to have one you don't have to have you don't have to listen to the regular uh podcast through one feed and then you're listening to the extra stuff through the other feed nice. we'll put it all there yeah so that you only have one feed if you're a patreon subscriber and everything will come there as it becomes available. Um, also, they will actually have access right away to part of a bonus extended interview. Because oh. as I was editing this week's interview, I was like, this is too long. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um, That's awesome. No, it was just, it was, there was a really good point to be like, all right, now we're changing the topic. And okay. this is sort of like fun and extra. So it's going to become. Fun and extra. Cool. So Love yeah, it. next week you'll have access to regular episodes, our first Animorphs uh, discussion, mm-hmm. and then also part of uh, the bonus with our author today. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a lot of goodies right out the gate then. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> One final thing to mention for people who are planning to subscribe and would like to get audiobooks from us either through the store or through Patreon, mm-hmm. uh, go ahead, if you don't already, go get Book Funnel. Yes. That will be how the audiobooks are delivered. Uh, it is both, uh, well, it's really just an app. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think you go online to access this stuff. Oh, yeah, so it's a free account. You sign up for it, mm-hmm. download the free app, be ready, uh, because that is where audiobooks will be delivered and that is where you will play them. Yes. So it will be almost like having a Libby app or a Libro FM or an Audible. Mm-hmm. It's just another one of those on your phone. Yeah. And the audiobook player for, on Books Funnel is. Really sleek. They yes. did a great job. So Love it. You, it's not clunky. You don't have to download extra chapters or anything Mm-mm. weird. So it's nice. Right. Right. So, all right. So anything else you wanted to talk about before we... I guess the only thing I need to talk about is that uh, for multiple episodes... Why does this episodes, feel like a confession? Because it, it kind of feels like one. Um, I had told everybody I wasn't going to be playing any video games, but I mm. lied. <laughs> mm. So the new Baldur's Gate 3 came out on the PS5. And that's going to be like my entire personality trait for a little while. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I can't wait for yeah, that. Yeah. So, you know, just in case I run in here screaming about romancing mm-hmm. vampires and such. Sure. You know what I'm talking sure. about now. So. Well, and you'll, of course, have to 
let me know how the new Baldur's Gate is different than the old Baldur's Gate, which I am, of course, yeah, super familiar with. I wouldn't do that. With. I wouldn't do that to you <sighs> at all. But Good. I, I will probably scream at you <laughs> no. about different things because this is like a super high fantasy immersive uh, role playing game. Ooh. But what makes it super fun is that you can romance like everyone. So there's like tons of romance options while you're like fighting dragons and like killing goblins and stuff like that. I'm so excited. This is me mm -hmm. learning that you can romance people in video games. You so can. And and okay. this one in particular, not only can you romance it, but like when you're building your character, they've even got like multiple different genitalia you can pick from. Mm. Yeah. I was All like, right. that is a very detailed peen. Like just was not expecting that. So, but yeah, this is like, for Spoiler adults. alert, she yeah. picked a peen. Yeah, I picked a peen. <laughs> and uh, he's a very handsome dragon man, and I'm going to romance ah, everyone. So, excellent. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great. I'm very excited. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm into video games. Dude, it's... I'm... I'm you're, you're like, no. You, you know. can just... I'll, I'll tell but you But I look forward stories. to hearing more yeah. about your experiences. Uh, and yeah, any listeners who are also video game enthusiasts, mm -hmm. let us know about it. Yeah, if you're playing Baldur's Gate, I want to know what you're playing, what your class is, what did you make, who you're going after first. So like, mm -hmm. let me, let me hear about it. Cause we got, we can swap stories. <laughs> Excellent. So you heard it here first. Yeah. Baldur's Gate. It's what we're talking about the next four months. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, if you have thoughts on video games or about uh, starting things as a creative, when you want them to be perfect, anything we've chatted about, you can always reach out to us via any of our socials or hoofandfangpodcast at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. uh, or there's a contact us form on the website at hoofandfangpodcast.com. We are so available for comments and chatting. Absolutely. Uh, we are looking forward to, to meeting more of you inside Patreon as well. I mm -hmm. hope we get to interact with folks there. But in the meantime, hoofandfangpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this week, our interview is with a new author. Yes. And I can say that definitively because this is the first book that he has published. Mm -hmm. And so I know it's not just new to me. He's new to everybody. Love it. He's new. Um, you've probably seen me talking about him on social media and other places, but I am very excited to be uh, presenting our interview today with Craig Montgomery. Craig has always been drawn to the fantastical. Whether it's sword and sorcery, superheroes, or faraway galaxies, he's along for the ride. Happily ever after preferred. He recently moved to the Bay Area with his husband and their two cats, where he tries to spend as much time with trees as he can. Cannot relate, Craig. Don't like going outside. I, I like going outside sometimes in very nice weather, and I don't like camping. So I like, I'll walk through nature, but then I want to go home. You know how I love nature? From like inside? Through a window. Through a window. Yeah, yeah. it looks great from, <laughs> from the inside. But yeah, so whether you're walking through nature or just observing it from indoors, enjoy <laughs> our interview with author Craig Montgomery. Welcome to the Hoof and Fang podcast, author Craig Montgomery. Hello. Thanks so it's much so for having me. It's so nice to have you here. Yeah, this so, is exciting. Um, I am well. I'm especially excited to chat with you because um, I'm going to be narrating your book. Yeah. Um, in fact, maybe when people are hearing this, it's already out. I don't know. We'll find yeah. out. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> maybe I have narrated it in podcast land. Um, 
But as as we are recording this, I'm still prepping it. Um, so we get to have a chat about a book that I actually have had the chance to read most of. Um, and I think it's pretty interesting how we got connected, which we'll get into. But before that, can you just kind of tell us, like, who is Craig Montgomery and how did you become an author? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I'm originally from Louisiana, so born and bred in the Cajun heartland. Um, and I, I, I guess becoming an author was like a really weird journey for me. Um, I actually remembered this recently when I was talking to a friend. I started writing in like sixth grade. I wrote like a little story and I illustrated it actually. It was like about a magical raccoon who befriended a wizard and they went on like an adventure into the clouds. It was, it was cute, I guess. Um, but I wrote it for my sixth grade English teacher because she like taught me how to enjoy reading because previously I'd only done it as like a utilitarian thing. And so I wrote it for her. I was going to give it to her for Christmas. And uh, it was like the Friday before Christmas break and she had taken the day off. So we had a substitute teacher, but, um, I guess like quick side note, I was homeschooled until sixth grade. So this was my mm. first year of like public school education. So I didn't really understand how a lot of things functioned. So I went up to the substitute teacher and I handed over this story that I had written for my actual teacher. And I was like, I really want her to have this for Christmas and I won't see her until the break. Can you give it to her? She was like, well, she's not here. And I was like, maybe just leave it and she can like get it before not really understanding. She was like, not there. Um, and then I never, ever heard or saw anything about that story ever again. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. This so, is not the heartwarming story I thought we I were know, getting. It, <laughs> now. it does. It does get better. Um, okay. So, yeah, I, I truly to this day don't know if she ever received that story, if she thought it was silly and just like decided not to say anything. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Um, but it really put me off of the idea. Like I took it to heart that she was like, I don't know. Um, and I was like too shy and embarrassed to say anything to her, to ask if she ever received it. So I just kind of like let it go. But the thought of writing stayed in the back of my head because like I had enjoyed that and I wanted to do it. And then actually I didn't really touch it again, like writing at all until I was graduating from college and grew up in the South, very religious, was still closeted and I was dating a girl it was actually like my last girlfriend who I was very honest with her before we started dating that I was attracted to men, but I was like trying to work on it because I was in that space. <laughs> yeah. um, and she decided to like try a relationship with me. It was very consensual. Um, but I mentioned to her that I was interested in writing and she was like, well, just do it. Like, just try. And something about the way she phrased, the way she said that, I was like, oh yeah, I get to give myself permission. No one has to like tell me I can be a writer. Uh, and so then, yeah, I wrote a book and it was bad. And then I wrote another book and it was a little bit better. And then I wrote another book <laughs> and it was, um, it had some, pr it had some promise. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's definitely been a, a failure to success situation. 
So what book are we on? What, a Circle of Stars This is, is actually, this is book four. This is the fourth, uh-huh. like, completed manuscript. Um, and the first one that I'm actually, like, I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of it. And uh, I think it, it's a good story. It is. Yeah, Let's say well, that definitively. You. It's a good story. <laughs> it's a thank lot you. of fun. I wouldn't yeah. have reached out if it if it wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so what was like? How did we get to this storyline? Like, what was your inspiration? Mm. Have you always yeah. been writing in this fantasy realm, or was this like, oh, I'm going to do this now? Boom. Uh, yeah, everything I've written so far has been fantasy. That's always been the genre I lean in. Um, the thing that really attracts me to story is being able to play with magic and like breaking the rules of reality. I think that's really fun. So, um, when I was sitting down to like, I was like, I am going to crack the code. I'm going to write a book and it's going to work. Um, and I was sitting down to try and like brainstorm what it was going to be about. Um, I was actually learning how to read tarot cards at the time. And so I was on a family vacation with, uh, my husband's family, they go away to a lake every summer. So I brought my tarot cards with me. There was quiet solitude and a lake outside the window. And I did like a Celtic cross, which is one of the kind of basic formats of reading tarot cards. Um, and that's actually how I found Casper was reading that tarot card. Hmm. Um, and I think because I was in that space of like tarot and tarot's really linked with astrology um i just like it was in my brain so once i had casper who's the main character of the book um i started like thinking about what world was going to go on and how the magic was going to be and just kind of like stumbled into creating a magic system around astrology and once i had those two things like the main character and then the magic that i wanted to like work into um the world just kind of like exploded in my brain can you tell us a little can you give us the the pitch the elevator pitch on the book oh yeah so um i'm not very good at pithy but i'll try (laughs) uh so casper casper is an 18 year old boy from earth who um is kind of like super down on his luck everything has fallen apart in his life um his family has abandoned him because of his sexuality and on like his first day of not really having a life, uh, he gets attacked by these like demon coyotes. And um, in the middle of saying like, what is happening to me? A bunch of people in these like cool, colorful robes show up and like kill the demon coyotes with magic. And then they abduct him across the universe to another place where he's told and he he's told he's like a star chosen hero and he's got this whole like role to play in their society and very quickly he realizes that he actually wasn't brought there for his own benefit he has um a role to play for them and there's a lot of political intrigue and um societal things that are happening that are a little fishy uh, so he gets kind of embroiled in that, trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. Uh, and he meets Helix, who is the grandson of the governess of this new city. Um, and they sparks fly. They have lots of little chemistry. And uh, 
together, they kind of have to figure out what's going on and what they can do to try and help things get better because stuff around them is like really falling apart. So I like, I, I knew Kurt was excited about this book. So I went onto your TikTok and like started scrolling through and stuff. The video where you talk about that pitch was basically what was like, I was like, okay, you already had me at magic, but then it like took off in my brain when you said that it was going to be in space, like a different universe kind of thing. I was like, okay, sold. That is the coolest freaking thing. I mean, Demon Coyote's already pretty dope, but like going into space, like I I love that queer sci-fi is really going more into space. Like there's more mm-hmm. of those stories like coming out because I, of course, love high fantasy and urban fantasy and stuff. But I'm like, we need more queers in space, damn it. Like I'm just yeah. excited to see that. Yeah. Queers in space is my favorite tagline. I think it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you t- talk a little bit more about like the magic system? Yes. Sure. I know that Maz was interested. In yeah, that. I have it like circled. I was like, I have to ask him about his magic because it sounds so cool. And I know it's like you mentioned, it's based off of the astrological science. And I know you mm-hmm. also go into like super in depth on your. TikTok it's very about complex. It. So it's very complicated. So I'm not going to yeah. have you like. Spell it all out now. Like, like, dear listener, yeah, dear listener, you will not leave this podcast fully understanding it. Yes, I've read most of the book and I couldn't, like, I could give you broad strokes, but like, yeah, this man has figured it out. That's intentional. I didn't, I didn't want it to be like a dissertation in the book where you were Mm -hmm. coming away as an expert. Um, as much as I love magic systems and like that's so much fun, I know even I can get bogged down when there's like so many rules. So in the book, it's very much what you need to know is given to you while you need to know it. Um, but yes, the system is it's fully developed and very complex. Uh, so the it centers mostly around the sun sign. So in astrology, um, there's there's like full charts with all kinds of details and basically like not only where your um, constellation is but also planets and where the moon is so that's very complex um, which was going to be too many moving pieces so i boiled it down to your sun sign that you're born with um and i used the basic 12 there was a 13th added a few years ago i didn't i didn't play with that one what um it's like there's a new astrological sign i didn't know there is yeah um Mm -hmm. i don't know how like widely accepted it is but it was a big deal and unlike my little corner of the internet when it happened um so yeah your sun sign the i guess the easiest way to explain it is like we in the world building um astrology here on earth is very much based on what we can see in the sky and then in this world that expands to not only where the stars are according to earth but how the entire cosmos of the universe is sort of interacting with each other at a time so um just to kind of make it make sense that people across the universe have like the same 12 um formulations uh so yeah your sun sign the time that you're born, that sign associates with a specific type of power. So there's not like a multitude of things you can do with magic. Each sign has a very kind of narrow field of ways that they can be superpowered. Um, and they do that through Aether, which is 
you can think of it as like dark matter, the stuff that's spit off from stars dying or when stars are born. Um, it's called stardust in the book. Um, so yeah, that's an energy, like a wavelength that human bodies interact with. And the reason these humans are on the other side of the universe is because it's near a celestial nebula where a lot of stars are born and die. And there's more of that aether to be able to do stronger magic. Um, so yeah, I think that's like, that's kind of the nesting for the, the right. magic and how it works. I think that's probably the best way well, to talk about it. And can I just say like one of the things that I find really cool about the way you've set this up is that like these people used to exist on earth. Uh -huh. Um, it basically is like the ancient Greeks who like looked to the stars. Yeah. And so that's part of like their, the legend of these people mm -hmm. whose magic is like, they were people who lived on earth who were like, you bitches aren't paying attention to the stars anymore. <laughs> I'm out. <Yeah. laughs> we're going to go, we're going to go somewhere where our powers are like super dope. See ya. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So this is, people can find you on TikTok and, and Instagram and they can find out okay. their own stories, but I am a Scorpio. So what are my powers? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So Scorpios have uh, the, basically the ability to control light. So this in the book is very much used to create illusions. So you can confound and delight people, you know, lots of things like that. Um, and then they also can focus that light into sort of an attack. Um, they can make that energy uh, offensive. So mm. you'll see that as like, um, they call them shadows where Scorpio will create like a clone of themselves made out of light. And that clone will go and attack somebody. And if any point of that clone touches you, it's like a knife slices because all of the energy zaps into that point of contact and attacks. So it's very much like a, a sleuthy kind of magician vibe, but also assassin kind of vibe. Uh, Scorpios mm, get like two cool. different directions. Yeah, <laughs> that's very cool. Well, I'm a I'm a Gemini. I don't want to like monopolize this on you. Just like no, 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 no. Cool this powers. is what we're here for. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. So yeah, Gemini? my birthday's coming up. So extra fun. Yeah, I'm a Gemini as well, and yeah. also I'm sorry <laughs> because <laughs> great. Uh, Love no, the segue here. <laughs> uh, the Gemini's. So the other thing about the magic is I really tried to base them in some sense of the personality traits and vibes that we give to signs. Um, so Gemini's are an air sign. They're all about communication and the power that they have is what I often call mind melding. So it's like telepathy, but on VR steroids. So you can share memories, you can create constructs, basically anything you can do in your own brain, mm -hmm. you can do with another person's brain. And oh, so cool. you're like sharing imagination. Um, it's a really, really good way to learn because you can recall things immediately as if you've learned them and they're part of your history, but they've actually been given to you by someone else. Mm. Um, it's very powerful and it also is very dangerous and that is sort of a big part of the book nice yeah i don't know why you said i'm sorry that sounds amazing uh well because you're the bad guy oh well, okay well not the, not the bad guy but you're, you're the you're the perceived 
Yeah, there's a lot of not evil, social but... drama okay. around mm. us Gemini. <laughs> oh, okay. You're discriminated yeah. against? Is that the yeah. better way to? Yeah. Um, I would I would say regulated because it's not. I very much tried to not make it like a discrimination that we do for any kind of social status that we would recognize here because I didn't want the Gemini to be a stand-in for race or class. Um, but I did want to look at how we treat humans and how we use power. Um, so the question is more around like, what can we do? How do we serve the community? And what would it look like if we classed ourselves based on that? Mm -hmm. Um, so there isn't like, there is that discrimination. Um, but it, I, I don't know. I feel weird calling it that because I'm like, I very much don't want it to be like a racial thing because it's not. Gotcha. And the way that I constructed it, I guess I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I was not thinking of it in that, um, in, in race specifically, but mm -hmm. just in a way that like any kind of different yeah. faces discrimination. And yeah. like often without any real logic behind why one mm -hmm. class of people is considered better than another, you know, we just love to categorize ourselves. Right. Right. <laughs> and like at some point one group decides they're better than another group. And yeah, that, that um, myth or that legend takes hold and eventually mm -hmm. enough people in the class that isn't favored start to believe it themselves. And then we have, yeah, you know, a society that's trying to like work against that even subconsciously and so yeah, mm -hmm. Gets yeah. No, I, I think that's probably a better the more eloquent way to say is i was trying to mirror casper's journey is coming of age coming to terms and acceptance of his own sexuality his own identity as a gay person and the gemini are a way to mirror that journey and the world building of how they behave, what they can do defines how they're viewed and seen um, and discriminated against. Uh, so I guess I maybe was a little jumped off the gun with the way I responded, but yeah. No. And, you know, let's talk about religion for a second, because oh, sure. when I was reading the book, um, one of the things I had in my head is I was like, is this kid like a fellow, like, Christian who had to go through a bunch of bullshit. And then you have mm -hmm. since talked about that on your social media, that that is something mm -hmm. you you've gone through. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess, I mean, the book is fantasy mm -hmm. it's queer, but it also touches on themes of religion, all which seem to be parts of, of your life. Mm -hmm. Did you know you wanted to keep the religious aspect mm -hmm. as a part of Casper's story? Or is that something that just kind of happened? Uh, it definitely kind of happened. I wanted I wanted the adventure story for a gay boy. That was like what I started off with. And I wanted him to just go and have fun and to not really write too much about the trauma stuff. Um, but when I was reworking the beginning, because something you often do, or I've known a lot of my writer friends do this as well. Once you get to the end, you get a better idea of like how the beginning needs to be formed to set up the story. So... Once I had finished, I was going back and I was retweaking and I was like, oh, none of this is working. I need to just fully reset up. And that's when 
the first like three or four chapters were written. It was actually after everything was done. And I didn't really plan it. I just was writing and it came out of me and I was like, oh, I guess I have this to express. And so it became so essential and core to Casper's story. And um, I had to, I had to, even though I didn't want to. <laughs> right. Well, and so like you talked about it in the beginning of the plot of the book, like he gets abducted early on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like, obviously <laughs> you had to somehow set it up so that that could happen without like a bunch of people in his life worrying about like where this kid went. Yeah. Um, so were there like other ideas of how you were going to set that up before you decided it was going to be an intolerant family kicking him mm. out? I thought about a few different things. Um, the, I, I'm trying to wonder like how much I can say without giving away too much of like how the story <laughs> ends up. Um, but yes, I, I guess I did consider other things that he could have gone through. Um, but something that was really sticking with me is I feel like it's such a quintessential part of the queer experience to have that feeling of having to leave your nest, the one that you were given and build your own. And because this, I wanted this to be Casper's story about that. I wanted to make sure that was included in that. I didn't necessarily, I didn't lose my family um, necessarily. My parents have always been very supportive, even if they've been not very understanding at some points. But now, currently in my life, I have a good relationship with them and I'm very grateful for it. But I still very much identify with that experience of like, I built my life on my own without that support system, even if I still have a relationship with my family. And that, is not something I feel like I've been able to experience in the fantasy adventure story is that character going through that and then building their life. And I wanted that. I wanted that um, for myself. So, you know, you write for yourself before you write for other people. And this is the story I wish I could pick up off a shelf and read and like see that piece of myself in. Um, So, I had considered maybe his family being supportive or just a lot of different ways you can go about it. Um, but at the, at the, once I was looking at what I wanted Casper to achieve, it was important for him to have that facet of queerness, um, that piece of that story. Um, for the end to make sense, for it to really feel like he's getting the reward he deserves. Yeah. I, it's interesting to hear you talk about like the, the parallels between those fears we have as young people, especially those of us who grew up in some sort of religious <laughs> system. Um, Cause I, I'm much the same. Like I have a good relationship with my parents. I was never mm-hmm. kicked out of the house. And mm-hmm. certainly there were times where things were maybe a little fraught, but mostly very supportive, but yeah. that doesn't stop you from living several years of your life <laughs> thinking that like basically imagining the worst case scenario. Yeah. And for some of us, we're very lucky in that worst case scenario doesn't happen. Yeah. But you yeah. still think about it. You still imagine, you still make plans like, Oh God, yeah. what would I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and There's then like, for some people, 
in real life as well as in the book, the worst thing does happen. Their parents yeah. just say no and reject them and <laughs> send them out of out into the world and say bye bye. Yeah. 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 And I, I feel like even those of us who are lucky, there's pieces of yourself that you can't be vulnerable and honest and share. And there's ways that you learn to live and behave that are very isolated, even because you have that, like, what if, you know? Um, so yeah, that's what I yeah. felt. It came out of me, <laughs> even though I didn't want it to. And then I realized how important it was for me to express that experience that I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I wonder too, how many like young queer men and women, mm-hmm. um, who are, maybe like my generation or a little bit older had those types of fantasies too, where like in this case, the narrative is that one of the things that makes him unique and special is also what makes him like powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like his difference is his superpower Mm -hmm. and how many of us grew up with like, Oh, if only our Mm -hmm. difference was our superpower instead of the thing that might make us (laughs) lose everything that we know and love. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like I, I definitely related to that, and and I related to like the attitude that Casper has when he's like plucked from Earth and is like, "Well, this is your life now," and it's like, "Well, things weren't going great down there, so <laughs> yeah, you know, like better this than dealing with the situation I was in back on Earth." Which you know, sometimes you do wonder when you read fantasy. I was like, "Why is this person not more concerned?" Yeah, about what has just happened to them. Yeah, I think I would absolutely be that person. Even now, like have I'm ma- happily married. I have cats. I get to work with Kurt every day. If an alien showed up and was like, "Your last hope, we're going to whisk you away to a faraway galaxy," I'd be like, "Well, it was really nice knowing all of those people, <laughs> but I'm going to peace out." Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd like to think that I would. I, I'd like to believe that about myself, but I feel like I'm too much of a hermit in real life that I I don't know if I have the gumption for the full space adventure experience. Right, like I'm the only one? The yeah, only right? one. <laughs> Just me? Did you, you guys have an up-to-date dossier? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not in shape. Like, <laughs> what exactly are you going to need? I'm still going to go. I just don't want you to be disappointed. Right. I also love the notion of like an alien knocking on your door and being like, come save the universe. And you'd be like, but we just started a podcast. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, well, I'll send him an email. It's fine. I'll be okay. He'll understand. Oh my God, I'd be pissed. I know. And you just like disappeared. I'd be like, hey, I got abducted by aliens. You'd be like, no, ma'am. No, no, you didn't. <laughs> Give me their number. I'm calling. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so how long, how long have you been writing this first book? Uh, that's a good question. I started summer of 2019 and it's summer of 23 so four years but it's not been consistently i was working full-time um and put it away for large chunks of time so those three previous manuscripts that i wrote that didn't work uh they create this little demon in the back of your head that says it's never going to work so there is that kind of imposter syndrome thing going on um but something that i didn't really I'd heard writers talk about this, but it never made sense, like truly functionally make sense in my brain until I got on the other side of revisions. 
about how much a story finds its shape and it's the flow in the revision process. I had this like domino vision in my brain that when you're writing, the scenes should stack up and go and it's, it sets you up for failure because you can't, you can't write a story from scratch and it just fully functions 100% across the board. It's not how the process works. Um, and I just like, didn't, I wasn't giving myself enough grace, I guess, to understand that I could tweak and figure it out as I went along. Um, so that good old Christian perfectionism was still <laughs> in the back of my brain, back of my brain, uh, making it difficult. So I really made it a lot harder than it needed to be to polish this manuscript after I had finished it. Um, and that's where a lot of the time came from. And then also corporate burnout of just living in America is soul sucking sometimes. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. We also had a little thing happen in that time. Um, <laughs> yeah. God, you know, what was it? What was it that happened uh, in 2020? I don't know. I forget. It's just, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah I, I can say it like as, as a full-time creative at that point, like <clears throat> not a lot of creative things happen. Like things slowed down significantly in 2020 yep. and 2021. Like yeah, it took yeah. a slow climb. I think for most people who are creative to just kind of crawl out of that muck that was left behind and like that, just that alone would be enough to like kind of stomp your creativity and your soul to pieces. But then if you also have any other real life things happening, it's yeah. virtually impossible sometimes. But I was going to say like, now that you've completed a full book and mm -hmm. done revisions and stuff, next time you write a book, it should be a little, it won't be a hundred percent easier. Like you're mm -hmm. still going to run into those things where you're like, I'm a, a failure or this sucks or nobody's going to read this. Like, I'm sorry. I shout that at you all the time. I know that doesn't help, <laughs> but, but like now that you've, you've gone through all that, now, you know, to give yourself a little bit more grace when you're on. And, yes. and I don't know, you probably have already started another story at this point, but mm -hmm. I like to remind authors of that people who have been publishing for years still run into that. I've got author friends who have three times as many books out as I do. And I, sometimes I'm like, Hey, you're allowed to have a rough time. Like yeah. it's part of the process. Like, yeah, I, I think it's hard for us to set reasonable expectations for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like, why can't I knock out a masterpiece in a year? Like, <laughs> come on now. It's not how it works. So. Yeah. And it's, you're uh, at the part where you haven't, you don't even have external pressure. To oh, be yeah. great. <laughs> no, yeah. That's Wait until people read book one and then they're asking for book two. Yeah, like a week after it's published, you're going to be like, I released a book. And then you're like, a week later, someone's like, hey, I finished it. When's book two coming? And you're like, what yeah. the Really? Like, yeah. I've already seen it, it in, in my ARC reviews. There's already people being like, I can't wait for book two. And I'm like, cool. You're going to have to. <laughs> you're going to have to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. I'm a big believer that every brain and every story is different. And um, I think it's just such a, it's such a unique thing that we do that you can't apply the same rules of like, every time I get on a bike, I can do the same thing I did last time and it's going to work the same way. Mm -hmm. That's not the way that storytelling works. Um, and so it's just kind of like, constantly pulling your brain back into a sense of like, Hey, it's okay. Like just take your time, give yourself some grace. Um, 
remember to have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big one. I need that like above my keyboard at all times being like, hey, you want to do this? You're actually having a good time. Can you mm-hmm. remember that? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. right now it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.